Welcome to Whitefields Church Podcast. Our focus is to help you grow relationally, emotionally, and spiritually. I hope you enjoy the message. We're so we're also very thankful for all the people that serve. We think. Thank Tristan. I know she's always continuously serving our children. So uh, we have a moment of peace during Sunday, meaning at least to listen to the word and not get a little distracted. But what's so amazing is that it's not just fun and games, but we're teaching our children early about the Lord and everything, um, all the blessings that come with that and knowing him. And so I think it's a very wonderful blessing. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Well, um, with that said, I would like to continue with uh, the theme that started last week about vision. And last Sunday, I talked about the vision for precision. And today's a wonderful time to incorporate um, the importance of vision for our children and what it's like. And what is the key component to a vision for a solid foundation. Amen. So how our vision shapes our lives and our children's futures. Um, from the moment our children are born... I mean, we want to do everything we can to set them up for a bright future, right? In Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. It's a wonderful, wonderful scripture, and we can quote it, but training up is a lot more, it's more difficult than it sounds. But yeah. main key, I would say, is training up is being alongside of them, right? Best trainers that try to motivate you to go into fitness are the ones that are actually doing the exercises with you. I remember in high school, uh, our teacher would be doing the push-ups with us. And he's like, come on, you guys. You know, he was a lot older, Mr. Bradley. I remember him. And he was just this tough guy. But he was leading by example because he was training alongside of us. It wasn't just saying like, come on, this is what you do. And just sitting down, right? <laughs> so not relying on someone else is what I mean when we talk about training up a child, right? Uh, it means being there, leading by an example of Christ. And every child is different. Every child is fearfully, wonderfully made, like the scripture says. And um, all four of my children are completely different from each other. And it's so wonderful. And they're so unique. And you see their characters. And even right there, you already see that they have different callings and different giftings at early age. Uh, but they all have something in common when I look at it. It's that they have a purpose. Amen. All of us have a purpose. God has given a purpose to every person that he, because we are made in the image of God, right? There's always a purpose and there's a perfect plan. And it's the most wonderful thing when we invite God into it and say, Lord, help me direct my child early on, right? It's just like training up a bicycle. First, you're alongside of them. You're holding their seat. Or let's say even from the moment they're walking, they, they fall down and then you're holding them. You pick them up again. Same with the bicycle. And as they grow, you're teaching them steps by steps. And then you just let them go and you trust them into the Lord's hands. Amen. So, but today, um, many people are living in fear. And parents are living in fear. Uh, fear of the unknown. Fear of tomorrow. Fear of trouble, sicknesses, whatever it may be, right? And I believe the main reason for why people live in fear is because they don't have the fear of God. God is love. And perfect love casts out fear, right? So when you have God, and when God is part of your life and is evident in your step, everyday step of your life, and you, when you invite God in all of your ways, you're acknowledging Him, 
you will see blessings. You will see the peace. You will see God guiding you. It doesn't mean the trouble won't happen. It will definitely be there. <laughs> the kids will still get cranky. They'll still need some, you know, spanking, whatever, discipline. It, it's still required. Those things are, you know, you're, you're, it's part of the growing up. But when you're doing with the Lord, you get a different perspective. You, you do it from a different angle because you do it in the love of Christ. Amen? So... What is the basis of our fear today or of people? And you asked us this question. And what kind of fear is it? Right? Um, is it worldly fear of the unknown future? Or is it the fear of God that drives my life, that gives me the confidence, that gives me that perfect love, perfect peace, trusting God, that God will guide me through this season? Amen. I want to always remind, I've been reminding myself regularly, but saying, Lord, you trust us with this time. Because a lot of times we're living and we're like, Oh, wow, it's just scary times to live in. And there's people in that I've said, couples, that don't want to have children simply because they're afraid, you know. The thing is, is because this worldly fear is driving them. And it's not the fear of God. I like to put it this way. When you don't have fear of the Lord, everything scares you. When you have fear of the Lord, nothing scares you. Upside down kingdom, I like to say it. Amen. So when you don't have fear of the Lord... Everything, you're just, you're just scared about everything. But fear of God gives you confidence. It's something that gives you perfect peace knowing that it doesn't matter what me or my children will face. God is guiding my life, right? He is part of my family DNA. Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Knowledge of the Holy One. Knowing God, amen? So the title message for today is foundation for vision Matthew chapter 7 we'll pick up at verse 24 everyone then who hears these words of mine and does and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and we want to build our healthy families right we want to build it on the rock on solid foundation unshakable ground amen verse 25 and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Yeah. See, the, the life will beat you with all sorts of trouble, unexpected things. Uh, it could happen. Anything can happen. Um, we're living in the fallen world. Guess what? And sin and everything and all the uh, satanic forces are real. They're all around us, right? And they can beat you. They can attack you. But I love this. It says, and the rain failed, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat on that house. Trust me. Life will beat on your house. But it did not fall. It did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Right? On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Verse 26. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew, beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And that's what happens when people can have like from the outside, people have a, oh, you know, Instagram perfect photo, picture of families, we're this and that. But in reality, if your family is not grounded in Jesus Christ, if it's not built on solid rock, it will not withstand. 
Like the moment trouble hits, all of a sudden the blaming goes each way. It's probably because of you. It's probably because of you or him. You know, it's because of your parents. All of a sudden Satan just walks in, no problem, and just knocks that house down, no problem, just like it is on the sand. But on Christ, the solid rock, we can be sure that we can be building confidently. Amen? So when it comes to building any house, right, or any structure, most important aspect is the excavation part, the foundation, right? It's, it's the thing that nobody sees. It's just like in parenting, right? Nobody sees all your <laughs> times you got up at night and did this and did the bottle, made the bottle and like four times, five times a night, you know, things like that. It's the foundation. So when you look at the house, you don't see the foundation or the groundwork, right? But later, they will see the fruit. They'll see like, ah, you know, there's a reason I guess they say apples don't fall from trees. Because it's, there's so much truth in that because... What, what are children surrounded by, right, on a continual basis? So let's just say if you purchase a house, right, and I've seen it. I've seen some not-so-good builders. And on the outside, they look pretty good, but they cheaped out on the most important thing, excavation and foundation. That house may look pretty cool, but, you know, with Alaska, I mean, our ground moves sometimes. It's not even just because uh, of this ground sometimes. It's just because the earth shifts and because of the frost and the cold you guys may notice sometimes in the middle of winter in Alaska like you'll come in in your house you'll have a crack on the floor and then like in the summer it closes right because there's continual movement I mean and uh, I think we did a pretty good job with excavation the reality is though that's how important it is to have the foundation right to have it properly placed on the, which ground it's sitting on and so God is asking us today hey what is your house built on right so Regardless how amazing the house is, sooner or later, the flaws will expose. So what we build on matters. And same is true when it comes to parenting. You're training up a child from birth, whether you're doing it intentionally or not. So it's not like, okay, now we're going to discipline. Uh, okay, we're going to teach you how to brush teeth. <laughs> you understand that they're continuously everything, whether you're intentionally training your child or not, they're continuously taking it all in, right? <laughs> Good or bad. They watch every move, how you walk, how you talk, how you respond, um, how do you react to the situations in life, right? And before you know it, they're saying the same thing. They're like copying you. <laughs> they're replicating you, right? So um, I'm sure, you know, I'll be honest with you. I'm sure I've learned some things that my parents weren't intending to teach me, right? I just picked that up on it. And then later I'm like, where did that come from? And I'm like, ah. So just as my kids have learned some things I believe that I was not intending them to learn, you know, uh, there are some things that I wish my children would just forget. <laughs> I'll be honest. It's like you did something or you said something and you just, and you turn around and you, you see those eyes, your child, just open wide eyes, just taking it all in. And you're like, oh, son, I repeat, do not do what I just did. <laughs> you say, this, is, this is a beautiful thing about parenting. It's to not be afraid to immediately and say, to catch yourself. And just because you're a parent doesn't mean you should never apologize or make things right. And say, son, that was a bad example. That's what happens when I'm not steadfast, when I'm not careful. Be careful because words have meaning. Words have power. My reaction, my response matters. So, right? And so one of the biggest Heartbreaking conversations nowadays just across the board, all across America, is uh, Christians parents, um, Christian parents that talk about their children, and they can't figure out why they've raised their kids in church, but for some reason, they're not serving the Lord. 
And they've been there, you know, all these years, 20 years or 18, whatever. And then they're just not there. And, it, you know, it's really weighed really heavy on my heart because, yeah, even though I have uh, young children, I really think about their future. And before you know, they're going to be teenagers. And I have this small window that I believe early on to put everything I can to direct them in the right direction, right? And so I asked God for a revelation um, about this crisis that's happening, right? And a month ago, I just, in the middle of night, while I'm intercessing for, for one thing and just praying for a friend, and all of a sudden, that just revelation came. All of a sudden, I started praying for children. I'm like, Lord, what is the trouble? Why is it happening? Seems like parents, all their years, went to church. Their children were there. And then the Lord said, Satan's not afraid of anyone who is in church or, you know, in church. But he's terrified of those who know how to live in Christ. So God really specifically identified in church versus in Christ. Okay? It's just like, I know it's a popular phrase, whatever. You know, being in the car, being in the garage doesn't make you a car, right? Just because you go to church, it doesn't mean uh, Satan's not after you. In fact, he wants Christians to go to church and live the same lifestyle, to still have a sinful secret uh, sins that they are just hiding, it's just, just so you won't change. But he's terrified of those that figured that out and said, Lord, I'm going to live in you. Okay? And so parents have fallen into this trap, I want to say, dropping off their kids. You know, just we're talking about generally, not our church. Our church is amazing. <laughs> it can happen to everybody. Um, but dropping off their kids, you know, with youth group and Kids just go and it becomes like more of a social club and they eat pizza, play video games, hoping that, you know, maybe a Sunday school teacher or a pastor will bring them closer to God at the expense of them actually having to raise their own children at home. It's very important to understand that. So parents are dedicating their kids to the Lord with this expectation that someone in church like Eli will raise their Samuel. Does that make sense? So we get into this thought, and, and when that revelation came, I said, Lord, this is heartbreaking. Lord, help us to be the ones that actually are living in Christ, are the li living examples. Children look up to, to, to us at early age. They replicate us. And that small window is right there. I, I, I've seen some statistics. They say your window is between two and seven. <laughs> and after that, it's like, good luck <laughs> trying to change something about them. But there's something about it. And whether your children are already older, you know, um, there's nothing. You can start bringing the Lord into their lives right now. Um, I just think as Christian parents, we have to ask ourselves, are we or did we raise our kids in church and expected them to magically serve God for the rest of their lives, or are we actually teaching them and walking alongside of them? Amen. We're training up alongside of them. Amen. So um, I'm convinced of this: that the revival that we are longing for across America and in, in this world, um, it's gonna—it's not gonna happen somewhere else. It's gonna start live in our living rooms, at our dining tables, around our couches. It will start at home. And when I, the more I pray about it, the more convinced I am. And I'm telling you guys, there's something that happens even when I put my children to sleep. And I start walking around my house. And I start praying for them. I said, Lord, you see their ways. And I love how what Job did too. Like he would go and do sacrifices unto the Lord. Lord, And he's saying, Lord, if my children sin by any chance, Lord, forgive them. Again, intercessory faith, right? It's so vital. But I do believe that revival will start. Now, for those Parents 
um, whose kids are not serving God. I want to bring in this another revelation that came to me. In 1 Kings 17.22, um, it says, God hears pretty much the voice of Elijah, the prophet, as he cried out on behalf of this widow woman. Her son died, right? And so this was the first instant in history, just in the Bible, that we see a resurrection happen, okay? And it's an invitation for us to receive this revelation because the story in 1 Kings 17, 19 says, Elijah came and carried the dead boy and the arms up into the upper room. Upper room where he was staying, right? What did Elijah understand that the widow mother did not? Elijah knew that her son could be raised from the dead in the place of prayer. And it says upper room, right? So I want to encourage those who are not, those parents who don't have children serving the Lord. Take your children to the place of prayer called the upper room. We talked about that. You know, this is the secret place where you can come in and just pour out your heart before him, right? And bring him before you. can surrender your children to them. Yes, even if you made mistakes, do not be discouraged. Stop blaming yourself. Past doesn't change. What can change is what you decide right now, right? As for me and my house, Lord, we will serve the Lord. And faith comes from hearing. And you start believing for that. And you start praying for them and dedicating them before the Lord, right? Before the Lord. Parents of prodigals, I'm just, just giving you a shout out and saying time to ascend into the upper room. You'll never be a perfect parent. And that applies to everybody, right? But you can be a praying parent, okay? Prayer turns ordinary parents into prophets, because you, you, you begin speaking life into them and you don't realize like all of a sudden like, wow, my child just received that, right? And all of a sudden, you're a praying parent. You become a prophet into their life. And then that starts shaping their destiny and their children to come. I, there's something profound that happens at early ages. And for some reason, I have those memories as a child. The early ones are the ones that are connected when I saw how my parents worshiped God, how they came before the Lord, right? It's so important to understand that what we saw home and how we prayed and how we reacted, how we talked with one another, amen? So we bring him before the Lord. We entrust him, amen? So, and the Lord is refreshing us today and saying, hey, it's not too late. It's just anybody can start, you know, uh, if I'm not dead, God's not done. My children are still alive. And I'm going to believe for them to uh, serve the Lord. I'm going to start going into that upper room, right, where miracles happen. Just like Abraham, when he brought up his son, when he dedicated, you know, his son. He was going to sacrifice. By the way, powerful movies coming out on that. But that's where miracles happen when you climb and maintain, when you get into that upper room. Amen? So how do you train up a child in the way he should go? That when he gets older, he'll remain in that, right? So he will not part ways. Because we can train him good habits, and those are great. We can teach him good discipline. And they, we hope that they can start following the Lord. But what parents miss is the key thing that children pick up, and is the fear of God. And that's the main focus of today, the fear of God or a lack thereof. Okay, did we catch that? So I understand my children are still young, but right now they are taking it all in. And how we walk before God is the most crucial thing because that's eternal. So we can do all those things to discipline them physically, which are amazing. We need to, and it's very important. But invest into something that is eternal, which is their spiritual state of mind. Amen? So what can we do today so that our children will not depart? Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. I'm repeating that again. Basically, this word teaches that uh, 
Fear of God is foundational and true wisdom. And all other types of learning is worthless. It's talking about specifically about wisdom of God, okay? Um, unless it's built on the knowledge of Christ. So many other passages talk about fear of the Lord. I'm going to read a few of them. Psalm 111.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. A lot of the beginning um, sound the same, but pay attention to the second part of them, right? The fear of the Lord, beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have good understanding. So God gives you direction to go. He gives you a clear understanding, right? Proverbs 14.27. The fear of the Lord is the fountain of life. That one may turn away from snares of death. I mean, that is powerful. That means God can avoid, uh, God can help you avoid making deadly mistakes that could be detrimental to their children's lives. In other words, I wanted to put it this way because I wanted to come up with a definition. The fear of the Lord is continual awareness of God in everything we do, say, and think. So think, say, and do. That's just continual awareness of that. That is fear of the Lord, right? And I'm basing it off Matthew 12, 36 and Psalms 139, 2. Uh, Matthew 12, 36 says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. Your words have power. Just as they do in your marriage, in your parenting, and your words have power. How you speak to your coworkers, how do you speak with others, Amen. We will give an account for those words. Psalm 139.2, you know when I sit down, when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from far. God sees in advance, right? And as Jesus told each of these seven churches in uh, uh, Revelation chapter 1 and 2, when God is uh, speaking to, uh, Jesus speaking to the, to the churches, he says, I know your works. In other words, God, there's nothing that's going to be hidden from God. So everything will come to light. There's nothing that's hidden that won't come to light. So it's very important to address those things, the spiritual things in our lives. You know, if you have not received deliverance or certain things, seek uh, help for that. Get prayer for that. That is what the church is here for, body of Christ, to pray for one another, right? So that we may be healed. Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So this verse gives some added insight right here. There's a sharp contrast between a wise life and a foolish life. A wise person fears, reveres, obeys the Lord, right? And the fool just disregards the instructions. Romans chapter uh, 1, verse 21 and 22. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God. Okay? And that's what happens. You can pay attention in some of the household, and it's heartbreaking. When there's no reverence before God in their household, what happens? For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And, you know, you look at some of the people, and they're like, they're, they could be pushing their kids into different degrees. Then themselves can have, you know, more degrees than a thermometer and all this stuff, and everything is great. But what about, what about their children? And they're investing into those things of knowledge but God is like, that is foolishness compared to the knowledge of knowing me, of eternity, of something that will last forever. Amen? So the link between fear of God and wisdom means uh, we cannot possess wisdom if we recreate God into our own image, right? That's called idolatry. Uh, because too many people have their own versions of God. <laughs> we're living in a time where we're like, God is not that. And we make this 
God a, a comfortable buddy. And, you know, it, it almost breaks, it breaks my heart when somebody says, God is my buddy or my homie and things like that. There's no reverence in that, right? We think that he simply exists to bless us in like a vending machine, right? I want this, I want that. We only come to him whenever we need something, right? And he gives us everything we want. But we will not fear him if, we, if God is like that, right? He deserves to be feared. There's an interesting movie, if Bruce Almighty. There, there's a good significant meaning in that because God is like, oh, you want to be God for one day? And he just goes and sits behind the computer and like there's prayer requests, like a million of them in inbox. And he goes, control all, like select all and reply yes to all of them. And the world pretty much goes into destruction. <laughs> See, God knows. God already sees what's on our heart. And when we acknowledge God, when we welcome God and we say, Lord, I'm praying according to how he sees things, we will get answers because we're walking with the Lord. We're not walking in our own understanding saying, because a lot of times we think that God's plan is my plan and we just want him to fulfill it, right? <laughs> so, fear of the Lord begins when we see him in his majesty, and we have reverence and fear before him, right? The Lord has absolute sovereignty over everything, right? In every situation. And Job 42, 1 and 2 says, Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything, and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. It's talking about God. If God wants to do something, he will make it happen. It just talks about um, his complete sovereignty over everything. And when we revere God and acknowledge him in all our ways, when we walk him right um, in everything that we do, we're in the right position to gain that wisdom, right? Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the wisdom is merely seeing life through God's perspective. It really is. You have just the lens of Christ in everything you move, how you talk, you know, when people are bashing somebody and you're like, no, I'm going to speak life to them. You start seeing them with the lens of Christ, with the love of Christ, right? But until our hearts are in the right relationship with God, we're unable to have that wisdom from heaven. Okay, so again, it's so vital as we move in our parenting, as we move in our everyday life. It's so important to understand, Lord, what is your fear? What, is, what does it mean to be a fear of God? Continual awareness of God in everything that I do. Amen. James chapter 3, 17. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. All right. So this is what God has given, right? It's pure. It's peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. We all want that. But the wisdom, let me read that again. But the wisdom that is from above is pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, and without partiality and without hypocrisy. So without the fear of the Lord, we may gain knowledge of earthly things, but we miss the eternal. And something happens, something special, like I said, happens when we acknowledge God in our ways. It's called fear of God. When God is ordaining or ordering our steps, right? And he's also ordering our stops. <laughs> I've said that a few weeks back. I said, if God orders my steps, he should also be able to order my stops. And he does. He warns us. Amen. Don't go there. Don't do that. Proverbs 3, 5, and 5. Okay. Um, trust in the Lord. 5 and 6. I apologize. 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding. 
I may have not given that to you, Ross. I apologize. Verse 6. But look at verse 6. In all of your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. When we incorporate the fear of the Lord into our lives, in every moment, every decision, we're pretty much doing it based off God's approval, right? He's leading our way. So ultimately, we live with this knowledge. God is ultimately involved in absolutely everything. In our friendships, in our marriage, in how we talk to our children, how we raise our children. Absolutely everything. In our business, right? Psalm 139, 1 through 4. Oh Lord, you have searched me and know me. Just talking about God already knows. But there's something when you just say, Lord, I can do this. And God had given us free will. He never forces us. He's like, receive wisdom. Do you want it? <laughs> Above all else, you know, we should seek wisdom. He has given us free will to choose. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know me when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You see what I'm about to post on Facebook. This is my version about it. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. Right? <laughs> he knows it all. His sovereignty is amazing. And I believe when we live righteously, we're on the right path. We're on the path of wisdom. Right? And, and everybody benefits. Everybody benefits around us. Right? When we align our interests with God... Our interests will align with his purpose. It's amazing because the moment you start praying, because my prayers have changed the moment I've accepted Christ into my life, and I, and I just accepted Christ. I mean, it changed who I talked with. I mean, there were some friends at that time that I had to depart from because I wasn't strong in my faith. I, they would have dragged me down, right? Now I can serve them. So it's important that when God orders my steps, he will also, we welcome him welcome in all aspects. Not just in day-to-day -day operations, how we talk and everything like that. But most importantly, it starts here. What's going on on the inside of you? What's going on in your thoughts, right? Inviting God said, Lord, yeah, I have lived all my life not knowing this. I have lived for 10 years being addicted to this or that. Lord, but I'm sick of it. I'm tired of it. There's a, something that happens with the desperation, right? When you finally just come up and you say, Lord, I'm done with it. I can't do this anymore. God can deliver you. God can set you free. Amen. And most importantly, you're not just, not just doing it for yourself. The beautiful thing is everybody around you benefits. Everybody. Your children see that. And you see you walk a life of victory, not a life of anger or bitterness or unforgiveness. You're living a life full of purpose. And you're not afraid of any trouble. And that doesn't mean the trouble is not coming. It's because it, it will. Jesus promises and said, hey, in this world you will have trouble, right? But take heart. I have overcome the world. So that means greater is he who is in me than the one in this world. So I'm walking with the Lord. And every day I'm like, Lord, I, I can be sure that I will not fall or I will not fail because you are ordering my steps. Amen. Hallelujah. So what kind of fear is dictating us today? Ask yourself. If there's an earthly fear of whatever it may be, today's the time to surrender that before the Lord, right? And put on the fear of God. Last few scriptures, Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord. <laughs> and he will give you the desires of your heart. Uh, let me bring that up again because I, I mentioned that earlier, right? When you delight yourself in the Lord. Because when we read the scripture, I'm like, he will give you the desires of your heart. <laughs> you know, people, just, we, we, we kind of like to twist and we say, ah, 
You will give me the desire of my heart, Lord. But then the Lord says, do you delight yourself in me? So when you are walking with the Lord, <laughs> you pray differently. You do. You wait differently, right? Because you are understanding that God is ordering my steps. And then you're like, wait a minute. Well, that was a bonehead move. Why would I be praying for that? And we, we stop praying for the temporary things. We start praying for things that are a lot more meaningful, that have purpose. Amen? That, that are long-lasting, that, that are eternal. Psalms 145, 19. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. Again, talking about the fear of God. He fulfills the desires, the ones that delight themselves in the Lord. And he fulfills the desires of those who fear him. Okay? He also hears their cry and saves them. So the key, again, the key is the fear of the Lord, right? Fear of the Lord is the greatest fear you can have, <laughs> right? Having fear of God will, not, will make you strong not be afraid of anything. But the fear of this world will make you be afraid of anything, of everything, really. But again, if we delight ourselves in the Lord and acknowledge Him in all our ways, we can be sure He will direct our paths, right? And not just us and our children's lives. Amen? Amen. Let me close that up with Matthew 7.24, what I started with. But just that passage again, just a reflection. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them <laughs> will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Right? On the rock. on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them. Does them. The action word to do. <laughs> All right? Obedience. Reverence before the Lord. I say, Lord, if I, if I delight myself, and help me understand it. If I acknowledge you in all my ways, Lord, you will direct my path, and you will fulfill the desires of my heart. And God wants to bless us. He wants us to live a full, rich life. The thing is, a lot of times it's just our own little shortcuts that just cause us to go off the path. <laughs> And God is continuously there. And I like to say that because I understand. I've previously cried out to God. And I said to myself, God, where were you at during the time? And it's absolutely normal to cry out before God and just, you know, question God. You're having a dialogue. Finally, something is stirring within you, right? But I remember specifically hearing God saying, where were you, right? Where was I? God was there. And he said, you just, you did not welcome me. Like you did not welcome you in your situation. Now, every person has a different path and yours could be unique. But I'm just letting you know that God is there when we welcome him. Amen. Yeah. Everyone who hears these words of mine is like a wise man, right, who applies them. So this is a foundation for a solid vision. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you for joining us today. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit our website, whitefieldsalaska.com. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you today.